0: I'm going to share a passage of Scripture, as it might be thought that we'd be reading the familiar passage of where we have the triumphal entry. I'd like to, to back up a bit and to recognize how this big parade into Jerusalem is coming together. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 and through 10. Very familiar story for those of you who have possibly been raised in a church. He entered entered Jericho and was passing through. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd and because he was short in stature, he could not see him. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray together. The evidence, O Lord, of What you came for and what you want to do has been recognized, observed, witnessed this day. Is that there are those among us who have been saved, those who have been called from the loss. And that should be the mission of the church as well, as we are the body of Christ, to come and call those to find Jesus Christ, to be saved as we turn to your text this morning, Lord, speak to us of how we may be voices for Christ in the world today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just about 17 miles outside of Jerusalem. And a large crowd has formed. It's made up of Jesus' disciples. And bear in mind, it's not just the 12. We're talking about a lot of people still following Jesus and in that group is also probably uh, countless numbers of pilgrims who are heading to Jerusalem for the observance of Passover. They're going through Jericho, which happens to be the home of many Levitical priests, uh, nearby, not too far away, so that when they are called to serve in the temple, they could be there within, within a day's journey. And with Passover coming and with the crowd as it's swelling and as the the city of Jerusalem is soon to be overrun by these pious Jews, uh, you could bet that the priests were on call to be there to handle the crowd. And so this procession begins as Jesus approaches the city gate of Jericho. There's a blind beggar who calls out to him, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. And while his repeated cry for mercy brought rebuke upon him by the crowd that was accompanying Jesus, all the louder he shouts, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man, while he could not see, recognized Jesus as the Son of David, a messianic title given to the Lord by a blind man. And be certain of this. It is certainly riled the the pious Jews that were a part of that crowd. They were not ready to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Then for Jesus to respond to the plea of this beggar and then give him sight would certainly contribute to the shouts of the crowd, shouts of praise. And it probably also increased the murmurings amongst those who were quite upset about this tribute paid to this rabbi. Now, before we go too far down this road, taking us to Jerusalem, this processional, as it will be halted one more time, I want to remind you of someone we talked about last week, and that was the rich ruler. While the beggar was lost in the darkness of his poverty... The ruler was lost in the darkness of his riches. He was given an invitation to receive the the treasures of heaven and walked away because he was so blinded by what he had as his possessions. So the journey continues, and a cheering crowd, now accompanied by the man who has his his sight restored, certainly was adding to the praise. Another within the city of Jericho wants to see. There was a man named Zacchaeus who wanted to see Jesus. He was a little man. He was a tax collector. And this story is so familiar to us. Uh, I'm expecting some of you to break out in song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed way up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. (laughs) I didn't hear any nicer singing out there. Was his desire to see Jesus simply motivated by curiosity? Or could there have been a much deeper reason for his wanting to see Jesus? Could it have been that he had heard that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors? and sinners. You wondered and you might imagine. You remember Levi, Matthew, the tax collector? He had a party. He invited all his friends, all his tax collector friends. Could, could it have been that Zacchaeus could have been invited to that party? And was remembering that, that big event when Jesus was present? It would be nearly impossible for Zacchaeus to see Jesus. Because he was vertically challenged. He was short. i got to share this with you. Since I've been working on this sermon and reading all kinds of commentaries, I ran across one that had presented an image I cannot get out of my mind. Danny DeVito. Can you imagine him playing the character in the movie of Zacchaeus? My goodness, I'll just leave that there with you and you can do with it whatever you will. It would be nearly impossible for him to see Jesus, not only because he was short, but there was a crowd that would make sure he didn't get to see Jesus because there weren't a lot of fond feelings about this short little guy. You see, he was a Jew, but he was also a servant of Rome. He would be collecting taxes from his own people. And then, as the tax is levied, he would make certain just a little bit more was added to take care of of his own treasures and add to his own wealth. He profited by taxing his own people for a foreign rule. He was a despicable outsider all the way. He was despised and outcast. Like the beggar along the side of the road, not because of his poverty, no, but because of his riches that he collected from his own people in such a corrupt way. After being pushed aside by the crowd, he was determined to see Jesus, abandoning all of his dignity. He runs down the road and climbs up into a sycamore fig tree waiting for Jesus to walk by. Now, I want to take you back again to a a previous encounter that Jesus had, and that's when the disciples were, were pushing away the children. Jesus wanted the children to come to him. And he says something as he's addressing these children. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child can never enter it. A grown man, running down the street, climbing a tree. Such childlike behavior. This guy, was, he was showing it all of his, of his innocence, of, of his abandonment, of concern for others, of what they thought of him. He, he's trusting Jesus. He's going on a limb for Jesus. The crowd was moving on. And once again, stopped by an intruder, a nuisance, an outsider from those who were surrounding Jesus. We read, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I want to stay at your house today. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Let's sing it together. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) This is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus invited himself into the home of another. Jesus was always ready to accept the invitation as it would be extended to him to enter into the home or into the life of someone. You know, <laughs> you think about it for a minute. If, if, if there was one that should never have been saved, it has to be Zacchaeus. Hmm. But his jubilant response to be called by name And then to be able to host the one that he first wanted to see and now can have him in his own home for his own time with the rabbi that has been talked about by so many. Jesus calls him by name. And to hear his name covers all the other insults that are still being murmured out there. Publican, tax collector, sinner. It doesn't faze him one bit. He hurried and came down, received him joyfully. Once more, look back a little ways. Remember that rich young ruler who sadly declined Jesus' invitation to follow him? Jesus said, seeing that he had become sad, he said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who had heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. I want you to recognize something here, folks. The people in Jericho that day and the crowd that pushed Zacchaeus aside And the ones who asked, then who can be saved, witnessed a camel going through the eye of a needle. A miracle took place. Those tongue-wagglers hanging around had to bear the news that Zacchaeus was received by Christ. Zacchaeus stood up and said, Behold, Lord, that half of all my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it four, uh, fourfold. What is impossible for man is possible for God. It was a testimony of his readiness to follow Jesus. It was a public confession of sin an evidence of repentance. He announced that he would voluntarily give up half of all that he owned to the poor and repay fourfold all those that he had defrauded any time. He publicly wanted people to know that the time that he had spent with Jesus Christ changed him forever. His life has been changed. He has been saved. There's a a commentary that I have referred to often as we've been working through the book of Luke's written by uh, Kent Hughes. And I want to share this thought that he, he poses here. He writes, Jesus' repeated emphasis is that though generosity is not the means of redemption, it is an evidence of redemption. In fact, generosity and giving are pillars of discipleship. No one truly follows Christ who has not learned how to give. I think we got a follower here as Zacchaeus was ready to cash it all in. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, and all those others out there that were listening, still hanging around to see what was going to happen, "Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also the son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, Jesus was seeking him. Lost in his lonely, destructive world of greed and corruption, Jesus saved him. As salvation has come to Zacchaeus, it has also come to Louis and Hannah. And with that, we rejoice. As Zacchaeus surrendered his life to Christ, we have witnessed the same this morning as Hannah and Louis have surrendered their life to Christ. As joyous as they are in making this life-changing decision to follow Jesus, may we also have the same joy in our hearts as we recall when we too were sought by Jesus, and we too were called by Jesus, and we too were saved by Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning that hasn't had that encounter of the one who brings us new life, before you leave today, whether it's after the service or after lunch or any time at all, you, you, you want to have the same opportunity to experience a joy, an everlasting, a life-changing joy. I'd be glad to talk with you. Uh, and if it isn't convenient today... Um, Golly, I guess how do I give you my phone number? I mean, you know, I want to stay with you and stay in touch with all of you. We celebrate today what is so precious not just to Hannah and not just to Lewis, but to Christ Himself. We celebrate today what has again been reason for rejoicing in heaven itself. We celebrate today new life found in Christ. I just want to wrap up with just a a quick story, and then we're going to shift here and and recognize officially Hannah and uh, Lewis as members of the church. Um, I told a gentleman one time... uh, a man who was crippled, a man who was confined to a walker, a man who had uh, palsy, a man who didn't have family, that when he made the decision to follow Christ, he came to me and said he wanted to be baptized. And I said to him, I said, that's wonderful. That's so exciting. But I just want you to know something, baptism, all baptism is, is a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that you have made that decision and you want to follow him. And following him in baptism is an example that he has set before us. But by you making that decision follow in Jesus Christ, you are saved. It's not dependent upon baptism. But I just suggest to you, if you've made the decision, you can begin now telling people about Jesus. You don't have to wait to be baptized to do that. This gentleman left my office Squeaky walker and all, going across the parking lot, letting people know that he had just accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He went from office to office to office to tell people that he had just accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. We have a guy in our neighborhood, at Arlington Forest, that has been going around letting people know that he has accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. It's contagious. And I hope it rubs off on us old crusty Christians. And the joy that we have seen in the life of Hannah and that we've seen in the life of Lewis becomes a joy, again, that is revived in our own special lives as followers of Jesus Christ. And I guess I better stop or we'll have another sermon. So let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us. You've blessed us richly this day, and we feel almost like those who have lined the streets to welcome you, to welcome you into our presence and to, to welcome you into our lives and to welcome you into the celebration of why you came. You have come to save the lost. You have come to save us. And we celebrate all this in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.